Galatians chapter 4. One of the benefits of salvation in Christ is the joy of being known by God. And it's something we don't talk about a lot, so I wanted to have a quick look at it. And one of the things, all healthy, really healthy relationships, think about the society's marriage goes, require permanence. They require a, I'm staying. Um, and so that's got a big aspect to this being known by God. Let's read. We'll read the first seven verses of Galatians 4, but we're going to focus only on two that come after it. Galatians 4 is the Word of God. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Wonderful, wonderful truth. I think the doctrine of adoption is, is, is underrated. Um, it, it should be something that we should think about more and talk about more. And it says that we are in slavery to sin. By nature, anything that does not allow us to have a true relationship with the God of the universe uh, is something that enslaves us. We are perfectly capable of enslaving ourselves. In the words of Bob Dylan, the great poet, uh, you got to serve somebody. And, and, and it's true. You know, we... We, we serve the true God or we, we serve everything else and we by naturally enslave ourselves. And so it's, we see here on this picture the, the plan of God is to, to save people, to bring them into relationship with His Son so that we too might be like Christ, children of God, adopted into the household of God and God being the perfect Father Okay, impossible for us to fully conceive. God being the perfect Father cares for His children and gives them wonderful uh, benefits. And we see here that Christ lowered Himself in becoming a man. He put Himself under the law, we are told. As He was born of a woman, born under the law. He was a Jew. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He sought to, to keep the the Mosaic Law and, and all of its ceremonies, and he was born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, to pay the price necessary to free us from the slavery of our failure to be right with God through our works. And it says he did this so that we might receive adoption as sons. This is a wonderful truth that Christ has become, for all Christians in him, he has become our 
older brother in the household of God. That he receives the full inheritance of God. All the blessings and benefits of the creation and salvation. And as our older brother, he entrusts them also to us. The heir blesses us. And so there we have adoption. Adoption. A permanent relationship. Goes on to say, verse 8. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be much once more? This is that deep truth. You come to know and truly know and understand the beauty and benefits of the gospel. How could you turn to something else? Well, my, and what this is showing as well is that we, we, we're tempted to. We're, we're tempted to turn away from that which God freely gives us. We're tempted to take the benefits of God. He offers us himself through his son and just say... That was good. I'm going to go back to that. But it doesn't work. It's no good. It's no good at all. But see what it says there. Verse 8. Formerly when you did not know God. And then he says, But now you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God. That is a deep, um, all-encompassing truth, really, to be known by God. Romans 8 tells us, it's not just Romans 8, 28, God works all things together for good for those who love Him, according, according to His purpose. And then it says, those whom He foreknew, He also predestined, predestined to be Conformed to the image of his son. And those he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he will also one day glorify. An unbroken chain. That God looked ahead, saw us in our helpless state, grabbed us. The idea here, not that you have ultimately come to be no God, but rather to be known by God. That it is the initiative of God. And this is why I say Calvinism ought to relate, make the most humble, or the doctrines of grace, whatever you want to call it, we can argue about it later, it ought to create the most humble, really, and, and the most worshipful Christian, because we realize that if we do trust in Christ and we do believe in Him and we have come to be to know God, it is because God first knew us and He took the initiative to show His mercy to us. Paul in Galatians here is affirming that we did not obtain this relationship with God this wonderful relationship in order to receive all these 
benefits. We did not obtain it by our works. We did not obtain it because we're smarter than everyone else. We did not obtain it because of anything within ourselves. We might say, oh, I'm lovely. Of course God would choose me. No, it might work with a husband and wife or something, but it does not work as far as God. Really, especially for, for Gentiles, Galatians 4 is fulfilling the words of Isaiah 65 verse 1. I am sought by them that ask not for me. I am found by them that did not seek me. We have been found by a God when we were not looking for him. And so this is a, a wonderful thing. This is a sovereign mercy of God in seeking to bring us into a relationship with him via his son. Now, we've, become, we've come to be known by God. Tim Keller's got a quote in his book, The Meaning of Marriage, which is very good. And his quote is this. To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. So deep. So deep. Think about it. Imagine being in a relationship loved but not known. Think about that. I'm sure we've all experienced this, right? It's just like, oh, I love you, I love you. It, it, it tends itself, he says, superficialness. You say the person's like, I've got your back, but they don't know who you are, they don't know what you're about, they don't know what makes you tick. A lot of people have these relationships that are just, they're really superficial. You know, they're just surface level. And they can't be, in a way, ultimately satisfying for us. This person, they don't know what I'm about. They're loving an image of me. It's superficial. But on the other hand, we've got the idea of being known, but not loved. Keller says that's our greatest fear. You think about that. You have someone that knows everything about you. They know your deepest, darkest fears. They know what you're thinking about. They know what you struggle with. They know absolutely everything that makes you tick. They know your secret. They know the worst things you've possibly done. Think about that yourself. The worst things you've possibly done. The person that you love the most on this earth may not even know these things about you. But now imagine the person that knows you the absolute best and knows everything about you, and imagine that person does not love you. They don't seek your good. We can start seeing that potentially as a, as a father-child relationship from hell or a, a spousal relationship that's terrible. 
someone that knows you intimately, but they don't actually care for you good. Both of those realities are not good. All of us want to be known and loved. And so we see this here. We see this in this great truth. Not that we ultimately come to know God ourselves, but that He knows us and He has gone after us. We think about it through Christ. The Father knows us. He knows absolutely everything about us. He knows the best about us. He knows the worst about us. He knows our hopes, our dreams. He knows how many hairs are on our head. Psalm 139 says that my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance and your book were written all the days of my life that were formed for me as yet there were none of them. God knows all those things. And we are known by Him as His children through Christ. That deepest possible knowing that there is. We are known by God. It's like that thing. It's become a cringy illustration over the years. But if we took all of our thoughts and 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 everything, we put it on a screen, and you showed it to people, you'd run out of the room, right? Because you couldn't handle people knowing all those things about yourself. Well, God knows all those things and more. He knows what you would do tomorrow. He knows what you would do the next day. He knows what you would do five years from now. He knows all those things. He has that level of knowledge we cannot hide for a second. But then, in Christ, He shows us. He loves us. He loves us. Not love of the superficial flavor, but the sort of love where He says, I sent my Son to die in your place, to live for you, to... To, to redeem you. I've adopted you into my family. I promise I will care and protect and provide for you. My word is my bond. It will never change. When we say God knows us, we can truly grasp, get our head around that to a degree. And then he says he loves us also. And he showed that 2,000 years ago on a hill at Calvary. At the cross. That ultimate fulfilling relationship. We can be perfectly known. We can be perfectly, fully, 100% loved. And this is great news. This is great news. We must be known by God. Paul Washer's got a little illustration where he says, if you go up to the White House in America, and you go in there, and you say, I know the president. Let me in. The guard at the gate's going to be like, cool, that's great, I know him too. But if you come out and said, the president knows me. He knows me. Then you might be getting in. You probably will be. 
it is necessary that the highest authority knows us. Not only does he know us, but he has shown that he is for us and he loves us by sending his son and by bringing us in to his family. This is just as a couple of just wonderful, wonderful bits of application. The first one is we don't have to pretend to be something we're not. Isn't that good? It's just the gospel is a message which frees us and allows us to be real. Someone knows absolutely everyone, everything about us. The one that matters the most knows absolutely everything about us. We can quit faking it. Who are we fooling? We can't fool the God of the universe. We can't fool the God of the universe. He knows everything about us, so why try to pretend to put on a show to those around us? It frees us up to say, hey, I'm not doing well. It frees us from trying to be something we're not. Some kind of super spiritual person. It frees us from that. It frees us from pretense. It removes us from the slavery of self-identity because we've been given an identity. It says, you are my sons and daughters of the living God. Your mind. But secondly, it, it 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 humbles us, right? It humbles us. Someone knows us perfectly. Gosh, that scares me. Hmm? Doesn't that scare you a little bit? Someone knows absolutely everything that's going through your mind, everything you've done, and yet the person that knows us most loves us most. That humbles us, that's... Keeps us from enslaving ourselves. Keeps us from thinking that we're greater than we are. But it shows also that we have value. And thirdly, according to Keller, it it fortifies us for the difficulties of life. You think about this. If we have a relationship in which we are perfectly known and perfectly loved by the same person and cared for. Doesn't that steal us for life? I have something that can't be taken away from me. I have an ultimately fulfilling relationship. That's what Paul says in Romans 8. What can separate us from the love of God? Can trials and famines and persecutions, can any of those things do it? No. It is not my goodness that makes me acceptable to Him. It is because He has put His goodness on me. Nothing... If God knows everything about us and yet still loves us, nothing can make him run away. That is good, good news. Let's sing a couple more songs. Let's lay our heads on our bed tonight and sleep like people that are known and loved. Because the God of the universe knows us. Let's pray.